Welcome to Fireside with Boxcake, podcast for professional public speakers. I'm your host, Richard Roger, the founder of Boxgate.com, which is an online community and service for speakers and event professionals. In each episode, we sit down for an intimate fireside chat with people in the public speaking community to learn how they have mastered the art of getting up on stage and speaking in front of an audience. If you're an aspiring speaker or just want to improve your on-stage performance, this podcast will help you learn from some of the most accomplished and interesting professional conference speakers. Hey, Pat, it is great to have you here today on Fireside with Box Gig. Thank you for joining us uh, to talk about public speaking and improv. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to take part. Awesome. So, uh, I'm just going to jump right in because uh, I've been dying to ask you this question. Okay. So, <laughs> tell me about the worst time that you just died on stage. Your brain went completely blank. You could do nothing. Oh, I think every time. That happens every time for a small amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably one of the things about improv comedy that gets a little bit easier as you do it more often. I've been doing it for about 15 years, uh, professionally for about 12 of those 15 years. And I think that as, as I do it more, and, and there are certainly moments where I stand on stage and have to remind myself to breathe, or I stand on stage and the panic, the little hamster that is the panic hamster that runs in my brain is running as fast as it can. And it's circling that wheel as fast as it can. But I can basically talk him down a little bit quicker every single time I do it. <laughs> <laughs> so just so, uh, repeated exposure to pain is that the yeah yeah oh yeah so much so much pain and uh, truthfully why be in comedy if you're not full of pain anyway so let's be <laughs> exactly uh, yeah <laughs> well i mean i will say to, to answer your question directly i think the the most pointed time was i was doing a new show with a very um rigid format and <laughs> i stood on stage and panicked and and i could i just stood there for a second and then I started talking uncontrollably. Um, I, I don't know how it started. And I do remember how it stopped. A buddy of mine was sitting right behind me and I heard him over my shoulder say, Pat, breathe. And I just took a moment and bre- took a breath and then everything was fine. Everything went away. But I now often hear him in my head <laughs> reminding me to breathe when I feel that, that, that sense of panic come across. I'll bet the audience never noticed. I bet they did. Oh, I hope really? they did. I mean, that's so that everybody it knows we're that. real people. I mean, it's important. Like, uh, yes, I, I I have moments like this too, friends. I'm not a perfect being. Uh, <laughs> let me get straight. You, you kind of started in improv and then from that kind of moved into professional public speaking. Absolutely, yes. How did you start in improv? How, how did that happen? Uh, that's a, that's a long story. Uh, I'll tell you the long version of it then. Uh, we, I volunteered out of, uh, going to college out of university. I went to the United States Peace Corps, which is a volunteer organization that, uh, the U S has. Um, and I was stationed in, uh, Mauritania, West Africa. I was teaching English there. Wow. And, I got, uh, <laughs> I got dysentery three times in a row. 
Wow. Uh, like one right, right back to back to back. I got dysentery. Um, as soon as I would get well from it, I started getting sick again. How do you get dysentery? It's like public service here. <laughs> yeah, this is about, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about dysentery. So dysentery happens when someone, uh, I'm trying to say, say this as cleanly as possible. The, you, somebody doesn't wash their hands when they're cooking food or after they were to use the bathroom. Okay. So that matter, that um, uh, refuse gets into the food and you ingest that and then your body expels in every direction. Wow. For, for a long time. Actually, uh, people, people die from it quite frequently. Yeah. From, luckily from dehydration. Not, yeah. 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 It's, it was not fun. I will say that. Uh, but it's also, I, I think when I, I was in the Peace Corps, I was getting used to the language. We were speaking an Arabic derivative uh, and I was getting used to the heat. Uh, I'm from originally the Boston, Massachusetts area in the United States. And I, got uh, my, my little new England body could not handle the 130 degree weather. So I, I was dealing with that. Where's Morocco? If you were, well, do we, we all know where Morocco is. Yeah. If we travel down the West coast on what would be the elephant ear of Africa, it's, it's on the outermost ear. Okay. So it's, it's Sahara. The whole thing is Sahara. Oh, wow. So just it's, really, really hot. Yeah, it's a massive country, but there's about 130 kilometers of usable land in the, in the country. So it's, it's kind of amazing. I mean, they, at one point it was a tropical oasis, but now it is just desert, just everywhere. That was a life-changing experience. Oh, very much so. Very much so. I think even just signing up for the Peace Corps was a <laughs> life-changing experience. Um, I mean, I, I, I was in that experience and in all of that and being able to keep anything in my body. And um, I slowly, my body slowly lost motor function over time. Uh, like I'd be walking and wouldn't be able to catch myself and I'd just fall down. And the person that I am, I just find myself laughing face down in the sand. Uh, like, oh, I'm down here again, uh, which to me is <laughs> odd, but very fun. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah, really. That's that really what it is. What, what exactly are you supposed to do? It's like, I'm just down here again. It's fine. I'll get back up. It's not a problem. Um, but I ended up losing about 60 pounds in a month and a half. Oh my goodness. Cause I couldn't keep water or food or anything in my body. And they put me in the infirmary and I was, I was kind of just making people laugh. Cause that's how I was dealing with my stress. And I was also, inadvertently helping all the other Peace Corps volunteers that were also in the infirmary as all of our bodies got used to everything that was going on. Um, I was making them laugh and letting them escape what they were going through just because of the way that I handle my life. And one of my friends, it, well, I, I will say this, the, the decision came down the pipe that I was going to have to go home uh, at least for a little while um, to just kind of get better. And I, I decided, you know, going home was probably the best best thing to do uh, at that point. You know, because if the question yeah. is, do you want to die? Yeah, you would think. I, I'm not a smart person, but I'm very dedicated. We'll say that. Uh, <laughs> um, so I ended up going home. But right as I was leaving, one of my best friends that I was serving with said, you know, if you are making everybody laugh here during this time of your life, which is so difficult, that might be the thing that you need to be doing. 
that might be the thing that is the gift that you can do and give to people to help. Because what I really wanted to do in joining the Peace Corps was help people. That, that was something I, I, I value even today. Uh, so I thought he, he proposed you should get into uh, improv comedy specifically because I, I didn't know very much about improv comedy at that point, but he yeah. suggested I move to Chicago, Illinois, where uh, all of the biggest improv comedy theaters are in the world. Uh, Second City and a place called IO and uh, Comedy Sports Theater is there as well. Uh, I think in the UK, they might call it theater sports. Okay. Uh, actually, there's a, there's a comedy sports in Manchester, England. So, hey, everybody, you can go there if you want. Uh, <laughs> I'm Pat Esmering yeah. uh, next week. <laughs> yes, I, uh, I, for the next several years. Uh, <laughs> um, so Chicago, wow. I yeah, so I moved to Chicago. That's like the improv capital of, of, of the U.S. It turns out, yes. Yes, uh, so all these, pretty much every major... U.S. comedian that that we know of at some point touched Second City. Uh, the the Second City Theater just has really trained all of those people. It's really amazing. Most of Saturday Night Live, um, most uh, about half of the stand up comedians uh, have some connection to Second City. Uh, that that might be an exaggeration, but it's not far off. Wow, what did you study, Pat? How did, because. You, want, you said you wanted to help people, uh, so you joined the Peace Corps, and then now you're in Chicago learning improv. Yeah. <laughs> what did your parents want you to do? <laughs> well, my, uh, my parents wanted me to just eat, is what they wanted me to do. Um, I studied political science. Uh, I studied international relations at uh, Ohio State University, uh, which, in, in retrospect, turned out to be quite a good education. <laughs> uh, I had done it at the time because it was in-state, uh, and, and the way the yeah, lovely United States works as we, you know, I have in-state tuition is less than if you are not in that state. So I chose to uh, live in Ohio. I was living in Ohio with my family at the time because, you know, they were, again, they were feeding me and that's how that works. Yeah, well, that's, that's important. Uh, yeah. <laughs> also, there's some, there's some legality there that I had to like live with my parents, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I went to Ohio State and studied international relations. Uh, I wanted to, I was hoping to even just join the State Department in the United States and, and, and do what I could to, I, I mean, I don't really know what I wanted to do. I just, truthfully, at the time, I really enjoyed international relations and I enjoyed how the world kind of worked together. Um, and I mean, I think in retrospect, if I understand how the world works and then also understand comedy. I pretty much can control everything. You have a lot of material. <laughs> oh my gosh. So much, especially now there's so much going on. I'm not going to talk about where I lie, but goodness, what a time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a bit of a crazy time. Uh, hey, I mean, mm -hmm. it, it makes, it makes the nineties look so tame, right? I mean, Oh, it sure does. Doesn't it? We all thought there was going to be like, the world was going to be, Peaceful, beautiful, and hey, oh, gosh, even it's the Cold going. War, just in general, is just a delight. I'll give you the Cold War back any day, right? Yeah, oh gosh, please. It was so easy then. I, see, and in, in, in the time, we're like, oh, we're all going to die, and now, surprisingly, we all feel the same way. But you know, we nearly did die a few times. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, it was like yeah. a lot of accidents and stuff. Right? Seven or eight times, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's new. That's new improv material. <laughs> yeah, I'll just it's put like, that in the bag. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you're in Chicago and you are um, hanging out at the um, the clubs you're supposed to be going to, mm -hmm. going to the, learning from some really cool people. Yes. So how does it go? It goes okay. 
How, how do you how do you earn a living? Who pays you? Yeah, to see that see that's the very problem. Nobody does. Okay. And it, it's a entire the entire Chicago community is a learning community that also happens to produce shows. So in the town of Chicago, there are I'm I'm going to make up numbers here because I, I don't know the actual numbers, but let's say there's thirty thousand people studying improv in Chicago at any given time. Wow! Of that, there are maybe seventy jobs that pay even half of a living wage. So you you get by serving tables, you get by in a desk job, you get by you know <laughs> hustling. Doing Whatever random random things, yeah. Um, but as long as your your evenings are free, so that you can go and perform improv and 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 continue in that, then you're doing the right thing. The problem with that it's it's wholly unsustainable, completely and totally. But uh, for everybody's vying for these seventy jobs of all these people, and and truthfully, as it comes to comedy, larger boned men are very easy to come by. Uh, as a fat guy in comedy, I did great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Hey, we all, we all have stuff to put on our business cards. That just happens to be mine. Uh, I, I, I ended up taking classes and being a little bit ahead of the curve. I ended up on tour, touring the country, wow. uh, going all over the United States, doing uh, mostly universities and colleges all over the United States performing uh, comedy for them for about two and a half years. It was, it was a unreal experience. Were those tough audiences? I mean, did, did they like throw beer cans at you and that sort of stuff? <laughs> uh, not, not often. It happens. I mean, the nice thing about comedy and, and especially improv versus um, stand up or some other version of comedy is because improv is so in the moment I have a real opportunity to read a room and a real opportunity to uh, adapt to how I deliver my comedy or how I tell a joke or how I be a character in a different way for every single audience. So yeah. even if it's scripted, I can, I can now have the ability to deliver in totally different ways so that I really connect with each and every audience. So it's a little bit easier when I'm touring the country. I mean, the, the real problem is if I'm in a room of seven people because the university or college did not advertise that show, uh, or if I'm in a room of 1500 people, you know, there's at about 500 people, there's always somebody in the back who thinks you're the funniest person they've ever seen. Okay. That's and then yeah. you okay. can, you can be funny all day long. Cause those, that person makes everybody laugh. It's like a, it's like a group think everybody, <laughs> one person giggles. We often talk about like connecting with the audience uh, on this podcast, but you just made an interesting point. It, it depends on the size, right? So seven oh, people, yeah. low energy, uh, or you got to provide all the energy yourself, but they may just sit there kind of stony faced. Yeah, they sure could. <laughs> but 1500. I mean, you do keynote speeches now and that sort of, I mean, and those are really big audiences. Yeah. Some of them can be, yeah. Uh... Yeah, I mean it's it's nice. I mean the the thing about a keynote is it's a little bit more constructed than an improv comedy show. I mean, yeah. one of the things that I really enjoy doing is building in moments of improvisation into larger keynotes or uh, moments of interaction with an individual in the crowd, so that we can really play with each other because it makes it much more tangible and much more real. I think when we're speaking and to each other. 
Uh, everybody yeah. knows that it's 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 a momentary thing because a lot of what I'm speaking about is levity and looking at the moment and really cherishing a lot of what we have in those moments and, and not really taking them for granted so that we can see the larger great and the larger good that's in front of us. Um, so using that on stage and, and being able to use all of my improv background to construct messaging that, that helps kind of lead to all these great things that I've learned and all these stages that I've been on. It's, it's really been fun to, to be able to do that. But I mean, even, even with a keynote, you know, if you're standing in front of five massive screens and there's, it's 2000 people deep, you, the likelihood that you're going to have one person that loves you is pretty high. Yeah. But if I'm standing in a room at an office <laughs> with the six executives and they're all wanting to know why I'm there, that's a different animal. <laughs> Let's imagine you're on stage at a keynote. So I was at a, a conference two weeks ago. Uh, I was uh, emceeing one of the tracks. Um, but right at the end of the conference, they hired in a professional keynote speaker who was one of these TV doctors. Okay. This was in in, in the UK. Uh, this guy had this gimmick where he would talk, but then uh, every so often he would shout. He would literally go, right, like this at the audience. And he would jump up. And, he'd go, and then he'd storm across the stage to the other side of the stage and, and keep talking about it. He was, the, the whole um, talk was about bad doctors, right? Okay. Kind of a good gimmick. Uh, do you use any techniques like that? Do you, do you have any sort of things that are like Pat Dwyer moments? Well, traditionally, I'll just like hop right down off the stage and just slap somebody around for a little while. Okay. That usually wakes everybody up. <laughs> yeah, that's it's, pretty good. It's nice. Yeah, just like pat them around a little while. Um, yes, yes, of course I do. Uh, I think that there are, um, again, that, that how I read that room and how I change those things will uh, be adaptable for every different keynote because I do like that off-the-cuff conversation and I, I do enjoy those moments of uh, release in that, in that momentary comedy. So what I'll do is I'll often do a thing in improv, we call it a callback or in comedy, they okay. call it a callback. So you'll say something, I'll have this conversation with an individual. And then throughout the, the rest of the presentation, I'll bring up a mo one of those keywords from that, that makes everybody giggle because it's all, we're all in on the same uh, joke at that point. Um, another thing that I've done in the past is made somebody a bit of a patsy. So if I was joking around with somebody and asked them a question and they didn't know an answer, uh, you know, I'll tease them a little bit and say like, yeah. you, 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 come on now, you, you don't know, are you, do you know, do you know anything? Is that the, Oh, this guy doesn't know anything. Okay. Where's your boss? Come sit next to him. What's how's that? And then we'll check in with that guy to see if he's with us throughout the presentation, <laughs> which makes everybody kind of giggle because yeah. it's all the same joke. We told yeah. a joke at the beginning and everybody's with us. So creates a kind of narrative arc. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So hold on a sec. Now you're on, you're on this improv tour and yes. I mean, in the back of your mind, you have to be thinking, uh, you know, I'm, I want to be on Saturday Night Live. I want to be on <laughs> anyway. This is what I want. Yeah. I mean, I, I, whose line is it anyway? It was always my favorite thing. Yeah. SNL Saturday Night Live was great and wonderful. And I certainly would have loved it. But at the time, I think that the difference between sketch comedy and improv comedy were two very different things, but I grew up watching, uh, as much, Whose line is like a get? Okay, that was your thing. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. The British version of Whose Line, well back in the day, was oh, oh, which is, just yeah. I loved it so much, so much. And then Drew Carey brought it to the states, and uh, they they didn't really change it all that much, which was nice. But no, one way or another, yeah, that was yeah. Whose Line was always the thing that I just absolutely loved. Um, but 
Yeah, I, I think for the the thing for me is I I never I, I think because of the Peace Corps and because of that experience and because I wanted to help people, I've never the opportunity to do something bigger and an opportunity to be on SNL or to be uh, on whose line internationally, certainly wonderful. And, and I certainly would have, you know, jumped at those opportunities had they come across my plate. But my aim was always to entertain the people who I felt probably needed it. Like I, I understand as an improviser, as a comedian, I am, <laughs> I'm not actively a functioning member of society. Like I know that that is a thing. Like I help the people who make the world happen, do their jobs better. The role is, is like a role that goes back 10,000 years, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's not important. <laughs> it doesn't. But, and yet critical. Well, absolutely. I mean, I think like the, the people who make the world function and they, they need a release and comedy is very much that. And I always took it as my job in comedy and my job at improv was to let those people laugh so that they could function at their highest ability. And so for me, it was always a treat to just connect to an audience as, as best as I could and as effectively as I could so that I could affect that the most amount of people in that room. And you also help people individually, right? So you're, you're kind of a speaking coach as well. Yes. Yeah, totally. Um, well, I mean, I, mostly for speakers, not just random people yeah. uh, necessarily. Although, man, there was this lady at the grocery store. Holy moly. I could only see you <laughs> people off the street go, hey, you want to speak? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, what are you doing later? You want to learn how to talk things? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, so you get people uh, who can, maybe like me, who can, who can do kind of techie conference talks, and that's our comfort sure. zone. Uh, you know, we kind of bring you in to upper game a little bit. And, but I mean, have you helped people who were just frozen and they hadn't spoken before and they knew it was important, but somehow they just couldn't get, get to the point where they were standing on a stage? Yes, absolutely. Wow. I, mean, it, I, I think, I mean, all of it's all muscle building. It's all like, uh, uh, you know, reps at the gym, lifting weights. The more you do it, the better you get. So I think a lot of that, like that stage fright, that stony faced <laughs> fear uh, as I said earlier, it just kind of, it goes away as the more that we work together and the more that we get to do. So we work through those techniques. Yeah. I mean, can you, can you kind of diagnose the mental blocks? Like if somebody is listening to this and they're still in that place, what are the kind of common things that are holding them back? What can they do about them? Well, let's talk about your parents for starters. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's all of your parents. Everybody who's listening, call your mom. Uh, the, the uh, I mean, it really, I think it's an individual case because there's something that is worrisome to them. If it is the, the judgment that they're going to receive back, if it is that they worry that they will be perceived in their industry in a different way, if they worry that... Uh, they're going to get booed out of the room. That's a totally different problem. Um, but I, I think, you know, there, there are those, those blatant things. Just close your eyes for a second and listen to the room. I, I for instance, will not, I, I prefer to do a show or to do a keynote or do something that during tech or during uh, a moment of downtime, I'll walk out on that stage and I started doing this when I was on tour. I'll walk out on stage before anybody else is in the room if I can, and I'll close my eyes and just listen. 
and just try to be calm and try to make that space my home. Uh, One of the ways that I have helped people in the past is making it, make every space your home and you're inviting people into your world because there's a comfort there. Like I'm, I'm welcome to my town now, instead of I'm going to yours. Like I'm not a guest here. You're a guest in my house. You're the guy or the girl on stage. You own the room. Yeah. You just stage, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. They have keys for it. There is a bit of a rental agreement, but you have to be there. (laughs) All those other people, they're sitting in chairs. They didn't get up. Yeah. I mean, they're welcome. They're welcome to go to the party next door. (laughs) This party is way more fun. Oh, I can't let this go without uh, talking about your domain name, which I think is just awesome. Okay. Like, I'm a techie, right? Padwire was taken.com. How, how cool is that? Yeah, well, you know what? It turns out that it was taken.com. So that's, that's what we end up with. <laughs> yeah. So you had padwire.com. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Years ago. It was so uh, the thing about being an improv comedian is there, as we said earlier, there's a few jobs and I just slowly dwindled away at my savings and got poorer and poorer as I was becoming a world famous improv comedian. Uh, and in the process I lost, I, I gave up patdwyer.com oh, no. thinking why would anybody ever want this anyways? Um, that's my youth speaking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And now we find ourselves here with uh, patdwyerwastaken.com because there's a man in Florida that owns patdwyer.com. And I, he oh, your internet nemesis. Yeah, he, I, I don't know what he does. but I bet you rate higher in Google than he does. Oh, God, I hope so. <laughs> Although uh, there, there seems to be some sort of uh, hockey player that named Pat Dwyer that's oh, doing very well for himself. Oh, man, I hate those sports people. They, it doesn't matter what you do on the internet. If you, if you play sports, you always just get to number one. I know. I have to take up curling or something so that I can really just <laughs> yeah. move up. Pat Dwyer was taken.com. Yeah. That's kind of a great example of, you you never know, right? The dysentery brought you to this point. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's a very interesting journey. And now we sit with a ridiculous uh, internet name. Yeah. That's, that's really all it is. Awesome. Pat, this has been uh, really cool. Different from our usual thing. I think, um, you know, we talk a lot about the technical aspects of speaking, but um, you kind of really got to the heart of, of um, putting yourself in the right emotional place. And, um, Having fun on stage. Just enjoy it. Yeah, it's not worth it if you're not having fun. Yeah. And you can enjoy it. Uh, once you get that audience buzz going, it's it's awesome. Or you know what? As I do, just talk at them until they like you. That's how I, that's how I met my wife. Yeah. That is, yeah, that is yeah. the key. Just, yeah. just keep talking until they like you. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? We, we're going we're gonna to finish up there because that is <laughs> kind of a great place to Thank you, man. Thank you very much. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Just a few things before the embers fade and wrap up another episode of Fireside with Foxy. You can find notes and links from this podcast at foxgate.com slash podcasts. We also publish a weekly newsletter on public speaking, selecting the best advice and techniques from some of the world's greatest speakers, both ancient and modern. Rhetoric is an old and revered art, not especially easy to master, but a skill like any other. One you can also learn. Visit foxgig.com slash newsletter to subscribe. If you've enjoyed this fireside chat, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Please also leave a review that helps us make this podcast even better. If you'd like to contact me directly, please email 
richard at boxkit.com. If you'd like to be counted as a supporter, just let me know and I'll add you to our supporters page. Till next time, remember, take a deep breath, pause, and step forward.